This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Are you relaxed, Charlie? Is everyone relaxed? Mm, no, no. There is. A, it's fair to say there is a fair bit of anxiety around at the moment, uh, an all-pervading anxiety. It's weird. It's weird, isn't it? Like you just. I was in the uh, went to do some grocery shopping yesterday, and I've been trying to pick hours that aren't too busy. And so I went there probably close to closing time and it wasn't too busy, but there was an old lady in the checkout in front of, say, three or four other people who were all doing the social distancing. There's about a metre between us, metre and a half. This old lady sneezed and she might as well have pulled a pin out of a grenade and just rolled it into the floor. Then the way we backed away from this woman, it's weird, man. It's just this, um, when you're a new parent, you have hypervigilance. And now I feel like I have hypervigilance like 24-7. Oh yeah, I mean, like you know, you just a couple of days ago, you know, you were just doing a normal, you know, parenting activity. You know, you took your baby down to Bondo Beach and just passed her around from one end of the beach to the other. Yeah, the usual just thing you it do. On tourists. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys just get off a boat? She loves boats. You took her down to yeah. see some passenger cruise ships unload, and then rubbed her for good luck on the passengers. It's just um, weird to be living through something that is. I mean, with the bushfires, it felt, mm. you know, it was all of Australia, but it was localised. But something that has affected the entire world, like I, mm. I, there's nothing in living memory for me that has been anything like this, where you cannot get away from it in the news. Like for about three days this week, I just um, didn't use my phone because I just couldn't help getting sucked into kind of these, you just can't help it. You go onto Twitter, you check any social media and it's all anyone's talking about and, you know, you you naturally start to get drawn to the worst case scenarios and, you know, what the fuck's going on. And then you see those photos from Bondi and uh, yeah, I don't know, man. How are you going? Uh, Look, well, I am, I've been on a bit of self-quarantine because um, I came back from the Adelaide Fringe Festival because it's so, I was just saying to, to you before that like we're recording this on a Sunday morning. And so this time last week, you know, the Melbourne Comedy Festival had been cancelled, but the Adelaide Fringe was still going. Like, I did a show a week ago on a Sunday night, you know, 350 mm. people in a tent in the middle of a garden with thousands of people congregating and having a good time and these sort of things. And yet, even in this last week, it just seems like things have changed so incredibly quickly that the idea of even really congregating in any form in public seems outrageous now and i came back with Mm. a little bit of a a flu a cold and so i was you know a little bit worried that i uh, you know who knows like in this current environment what you've picked up so i rang the doctor and um, Mm. had to go down to the local doctors had to go in through the back entrance so i had to like hang out in a car park like i was deep throat because they won't let you go in the, the front entrance if you have a suspicion that you might have you know coronavirus obviously so i'm standing just randomly in this car park um you know trying to get into the back entrance of the doctors 
and then more like a, ce- a celebrity entering a nightclub, really. <laughs> like that's what they're doing. It's like oh, we don't want anyone hassling him when he comes in through the front door, going well, to the back entrance to the doctor. It is. It, it, I know what you're saying, but. It wasn't very glamorous. It was literally a car park. It was literally an underground car park, you know. So, like, not a place you would ideally hang out at the best of times. And then you just have to linger behind this nondescript door waiting for somebody to come and hand you a mask. So, Mm. um, so they, yeah, so they hand you a mask through the door that you have to put on before you can come in. And they're only, you know, examining you in the the back room so they've set up this specific back room so that you don't obviously go near any of the other patients who are there for regular stuff at the doctors and this isn't even the corona test this is the test to see if you're eligible for the corona test so yeah so basically they buzz you in you put on your mask the doctor's there in his mask and then uh, you go in and there's all these like you know bits of information you know like kind of from the government saying yeah, do you have this? Have you been in contact with this? But as the doctor said to me, completely outdated every day. Because at the start it was mm. all like, have you travelled from China? And then it was like, have you travelled mm. from overseas? And it's like, have you been on a cruise ship? And now it's like, I don't know, have you been outside? Who knows who's got it now? Um, but, yeah. they don't, but they don't have enough tests. They can't actually do the tests you know, for people. So he had to do a range of other tests on me A, to hopefully eliminate that I had it. Like he was pretty sure at the end of it that I probably didn't have it, but I I wasn't able to actually do the the coronavirus test. But his his method of, um, because he just thought I had like another sort of cold and flu thing. And he said, well, basically what we can do is work out whether you have this other cold and flu. We can't tell you that you don't have corona, but I can tell you that you do have this other thing that has many of the same symptoms and it's probably this other thing. Of course, then he Mm. said at the end, he goes, we don't really know if you can have this other thing and Corona at the same time because we're (laughs) learning something new about Corona every day. But what I can tell you, you're definitely at least sick in one way. Probably not sick in both. I probably don't have it. But So I've had a a week of um, just mostly just kind of staying at home and staying away from people just just in case. And... And even if you'd had it, it would have been pretty much the same treatment, right? Like just isolate yourself, you know, wash your hands regularly, no contact or minimal contact with other people, right? Yeah. How, how often, how, how much has this washing your hands thing made you think that you weren't washing your hands enough already? A <laughs> hundred and billion percent. Like, because now I, I go, every time I, um, I come into the house, I wash yeah. my hands. Every time I, every time I do anything, because I've got the baby as well, because mm. I'm picking her up all the time. I'm acutely aware of, like, you know, making sure my hands are clean. But, yeah, I, I was always, like, definitely, like, I was a bathroom washer and I was a kitchen, like, food prep washer. Mm. But I'd say during the day, like, now, you know, in the morning, I'll go get a coffee from the cafe downstairs and stuff. And I don't think I would have ever thought to wipe down my cup or wash my hands or anything like that. But nowadays it's just like I'm probably one week away from going down there in a hazmat suit and collecting my coffee with a pair of tongs. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was in the last week in Adelaide, when I was still, you know, out and about and getting a takeaway coffee, but people were starting to get paranoid about, you know, 
hygiene and you know just like you know like that basic sort of wash your hands and don't you know yeah cough into your elbow your sort face. of stuff yeah it was still at that stage but you would go into it like mm. a little takeaway coffee place and at the time they were saying oh don't bring in your keep cups that was one of the first things that oh really so sort of, yeah because they just didn't want the contamination of like not knowing you know so Where they the were just like only from. takeaway cups right but then the guy okay. i was like well that's a good that's a nice theory i'm absolutely fine with that as a theory but then of course when he's putting the lid on your takeaway cup he just get, gets his fingers and like you know to get it along the road just like basically touches yeah. every bit where you might possibly put your mouth and i'm like well that seems to be cutting out some of the hygiene we saved by me not bringing my keep cup i would have thought well i did notice because uh, there's a few cafes on my strip and I did walk past and one of them has an open kitchen and the dude in there prepping the food, like I think he's chopping up oranges for a juice or whatever, wasn't wearing gloves. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Even if there was no coronavirus, isn't that like just mandated that if you work in a kitchen, you've got to wear gloves? Um, I, don't, I don't think you have to wear gloves in a kitchen, do you? Don't you? Like in a oh. general sense, like in, like when you see chefs and stuff, they're not wearing gloves. They all work with their... And in fact, yeah, most of the times when you go to a restaurant, like if you've ever seen a chef like try food, they try it by putting a spoon in and like eating it. You know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah, I mean, I know they have good hygiene standards in these sort of places, but the way that chefs cook, and if you've ever watched any of those cooking shows, because you know I love Top Chef and all those sort of shows, yeah. like the number one thing that comes out of those is the amount of sweat that goes into food. And I don't mean it takes a lot of energy to make food. I mean literally the amount of sweat that falls into your food when people are making it. Because they're in, in a hot kitchen, they're working really quickly, they're over stoves, open fire. Like people just sweat into your food all the time in kitchens. I told, I did um, Josh Earl's podcast uh, a few weeks ago and um, one of the stories that came up was my first ever job was working uh, as a kitchen hand in a pancake restaurant. And one of the um, pancake uh, uh, flavors they had was this banana pancake. So first thing of your shift, you'd have to get this big tub full of bananas and chop them up, mush them up with like some sugar and syrup and stuff like that. And then they would pour that over the pancakes and they got served. And I, it was my first proper job and I was really nervous, 16. And they gave me this like really sharp kind of spatula to like mash up the bananas. And I was so nervous that as I was mashing them up, I sliced through my thumb like the top of my thumb just like went through the nail and blood just spurted into the bananas <laughs> and i was so nervous about getting in trouble or losing my job that rather than tell anyone i just stirred my blood <laughs> into the bananas and allowed them to serve it up to people uh anytime you eat out in public you've got to assume that something like that is happening right like people are cutting well, any- themselves that they're like no one's making an entire new batch of banana mixture just because one kid like had a little bit of a cut or a band-aid that went into it. That's the truth of the world that we're living in. Well, I think any restaurant where they have teenage staff, because okay. teenagers are just gross generally. Like they don't mean to be gross a lot of the time. They just are gross. But And sometimes you know, they mean of... to be gross. Sometimes they're masturbating oh, they definitely... in your food or putting in their like dick on the grill or whatever just for fun. Like <laughs> what kid is putting his dick on the grill? I don't know. Like so, well, I, I'm imagining dick. not like on a hot grill. I'm imagining they're putting the dick on the grill and then they're turning on the heat and the idea is that you leave your dick on the grill until it gets too hot and then they're all playing that same game in there of like who can leave their dick on the grill the longest. I think that's when you have it like 
if you have a kitchen that's entirely filled with guys, especially teenage boys, that's definitely going to happen. If I ran a restaurant, I would at least try and have some kind of like a quota, <laughs> gender balance quota, not because I believe in, you know, equality for the sexes, mainly because I just think it would cut down incidences of penises touching stuff in the kitchen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you don't want farts <laughs> in your Happy Meal bag, you've just got to have an equal workforce. In fact, this is where the feminists have been getting it all wrong. Yeah. This is how they should be pushing for like equal pay and equal yeah. opportunity. We've been trying to make it's a like- rational argument about the fact that women's work is equal to men's work and should be paid the same. But what we really should be making the argument is men are gross. And if you don't want yeah. someone to fart in your Happy Meal bag, you should be employing at least as many women as men. Do you prefer your soup without having balls dipped in it? Yeah. Then employ women, guys. <laughs> It's a much more effective campaign. The thing that I've found most uh, most difficult is the uh, touching the face thing. Mm. I have I've realised in the past two weeks how often I touch my face. Like particularly when I'm concentrating. Like I've been doing a lot of writing this week, and that's my default. Is like I I think it's a comforting thing where I'll, I rub my face. I have my hand on my face. I'm always like touching my eye. It's, it's really, really, that's been the hardest thing for me to kind of um, uh, uh, get used to. Oh, I, I was always aware that I was a massive face, t- face toucher, like a self yeah. face toucher. When it's your face, yeah. Yeah, it's my, it's my face, my rules. That's yeah. what I always thought. Yeah. I didn't realize it was yeah. so gross. But I'm also a lifelong fingernail biter, which oh, during right. this time is... Like, and it's a habit that I've tried to break. It's not like something that I enjoy being a fingernail biter, but it's just been that nervous tick that I've, yeah, struggled. I've had hypnotherapy. I've tried so many different ways to stop biting my fingernails and I've never been able to do it. Well, guess what? Stigma and social shame has cured my fingernail biting because every time my hand goes towards my face, I suddenly just see like, you know, a worldwide pandemic coming towards my face or at least the social shame of being somebody who's still sticking my fingers in my mouth in this current environment. It just seems bad taste. I, I used to be a massive fingernail chewer and then I can't remember what the conversation was, but it was talking to my dentist about it who was saying your teeth are all worn down. And he's gone, do you chew your nails? And he's gone, because that's like one of the number one things because, you know, what your nails are made of is the same thing as your teeth are made of. So you're just grinding your teeth on teeth, essentially, when you chew your nails. Yeah. And it, I mean, this would have been in my late 20s when he told me this. And I was like, well, I think there might be some other things. No, I was going to say, not that ecstasy you took on the weekend. Yeah, there's probably some other reasons why I've been grinding my teeth. Yeah. Doc, I reckon it might might be either my fingernails or the fact that I've been at Revolver every Saturday night for the last six months. <laughs> now, I don't know. Could be a bit of both. A little column A, a little column B. A little column E. <laughs> but that cured me. I went cold turkey. But now my favourite thing to do is I won't chew, but if I spot like a loose nail... That becomes like, I love just like self-peeling a nail, not getting the clippers out, but just getting that loose Ooh. nail and seeing if I can peel it off and getting In like the a shape nice of a nail. crescent. Yeah. Oh. That, that's like the methadone. That could be your methadone. Rather than going cold turkey if I can't chew, maybe get into picking. No, 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 no. That's my slippery slope picking. So, right. you know, so 
even right now I'm doing a little just like, you know, running my nails under my other nails and I know where that leads. That leads to one of them suddenly feeling not quite perfectly shaped and then I'm like, oh, well, you know what, I can do a little bit of picking. And But then I'm one of those people going, oh, it's just not perfect on that side now. I'm going to have to go the other side. And then suddenly that one's gone and then that one's a different length to all the other nails. And you're like, well, I guess I could probably just get rid of all the other. Anyway, this is a gross topic on a t- <laughs> at a time <laughs> when we're trying to talk about having good hygiene practices um, in the world. But yeah, it, like just then I scratched my face. It is so instinctive how often you touch your face in this situation. Yeah, I think it's just, for me, it's the comfort thing more than anything. Like, I don't know what it was. Like, I do wonder, because I used to, um, when I was a kid, I used to have this habit. It was a very annoying habit for my parents where I would suck my thumb and with my other hand, I would stick my finger in their ear. <laughs> like, it was just like, I'd sort of just try trace my finger around their ear, their ear and their ear hole, just like gently... And it was like a comforting thing for me. And I, and it took me a long time to like work out where that had come from. And then I saw a photo of me as a kid and I had this uh, crocheted blanket that my grandmother had made me when I was like, you know, one or two years old that had little holes in it. And I reckon that as a kid, when I was lying in my crib and sucking my thumb or comforting myself, I probably put my fingers in these holes and so then as I got older like three or four and I wanted to comfort myself your ear became my new crocheted blanket like I would stick and the weird thing I remember I'd have to check with my family but I sort of remember my family just like going with it uh well Charlie wants to stick his finger in your ear so they would just let me sit next to them on the couch suck my thumb and stick a finger in their ear (laughs) (laughs) like I mean wet willies are one of the most like notorious like bullying tactics you can receive from someone. But my family were patient enough with me that they allowed me to get in dry dry willies. <laughs> I, I mean, this <laughs> dry willy sounds terrifying, by the way. <laughs> Worse. <laughs> but also, isn't this a time where you know high school bullying has been escalated by the nature of the coronavirus? Because wet mm. willies holding someone down, spitting in their mouth. These are all Ugh. quite deadly things to be able to do to somebody now. Yeah, I did see someone online had uh, said that their kid, they're now playing coronavirus at high school where one person's it and if they tag you, then you've got it and then another person tags, then you've got it and so the numbers grow. It's actually a pretty practical way of demonstrating like communicable disease. Yeah, apart from the fact that in demonstrating it, they might also be spreading it. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that is interesting that has come out of this, of course, is the idea, uh, it, it's, it's almost brought up an idea that we've talked about a little bit on this podcast before, which is the idea of how could you fuck with the people in the big brother house? Because oh, yeah. did you see this story? The German big brother house had no idea basically that the pandemic was going on and they've just had to tell them. Mm. And the Australian big brother house, I think a lot of them are currently, in quarantine, getting ready for the Big Brother. And I think they've informed them that it's happening, but it does raise the possibilities of how you could fuck with them while they're in the house. Yeah. Well, what are you thinking? I mean, how do you fuck with them any worse than what's actually happening? Do we have to manufacture any kind of fuckery? Well, yeah. Well, I would say just completely well maybe not is the is the real answer right the big brother <laughs> yes, house the big brother out. house may be the same it might be the first time that somebody gets voted out and refuses to leave 
<laughs> the safety and the comfort of the Big Brother house. Did you see, actually, podcast, Mark, can you just do a bit of a search for me? Can you find Jared Leto's tweets uh, around coronavirus? Did you see this, Will? Okay, so Jared Leto, um, uh, Jared Leto, he was on a meditation retreat. Is yeah. that right? 12 I'm, day. I'm going to Google this because I think Mike's um, podcast, uh, Mike's uh, computer is just frozen. Um, okay. I, I will look it up uh, on my computer here. Um, Jared Alito, here we go. All right. So from The Guardian, I'm going to have a little read here from The Guardian. Uh, so um, the American actor and songwriter Jared Leto has just learnt about the coronavirus after being isolated in the desert for almost two weeks. So firstly, already this is so Jared Leto, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Totally on brand for Leto. Uh, the 30 Seconds to Mars frontman. Ah, oh, okay, Charlie. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this. If you're yep. Jared Leto, do you prefer to be introduced as the 30 Seconds to, to Mars frontman? Or would you prefer to be introduced as the Academy Award-winning actor? Well, is it Jared Leto or Jared Leto for a start? Oh, is it Leto or Leto? I think it's Leto. Jared I think Leto. It's Leto. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. I think it's Jared Leto. But fuck it, we never get things like that right in this show. Um, yeah, no, you definitely want to be known as the Thirty Seconds of Mars <laughs> to Mars fun man over Academy Award-winning actor. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think he would prefer to be he would prefer to be known as a rock star than an academy. Well, he wants to be recognised as both, but I mm. think that in his heart he sees himself as more of a rock star than anything. Is the fact that the Guardian have chosen to call him the 30 Seconds to Mars front man a bit of a sledge at the fact that they don't want to call him an Academy Award winning actor? I think they're a very popular band, aren't they? Mm. I mean, they are a popular band, or they were a popular band, perhaps. Um, all right, anyway... Uh, the 30 Seconds to Mars frontman made the uh, surprising revelation over Instagram after he emerged from a silent meditation for the oh past 12 days. That meant yeah. he had been living completely off the grid, void of news and governmental updates on the deadly coronavirus outbreak which has spread across the planet. Wow, his post began. So he's obviously learned something on this spiritual retreat. It's nice to not talk for 12 days and then your first word back is wow. Um, the Owen Wilson is, took over his, uh, his Twitter account. Um, wow. This is, this is his uh, Instagram post. Okay. Wow. 12 days ago, I began a silent meditation in the desert. Wanker! <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help myself. It, I tried to get through the whole post, but just the first sentence just fucking, I was triggered. I'm sorry. Wanker. You're a wanker. <laughs> Would you ever do a silent retreat, a silent meditation? Is that something that has any appeal to you? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wanker. I, 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 <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I think it does. I, look, I think in theory it does. Whether or not I'd actually ever do it, um, I'd like the idea of, of challenging myself to see if I could not talk for for two weeks and, and just concentrate on med meditating. I think the vipassana kind of kind of thing, right? I think that if I had somewhere comfortable to sit, I, I've heard from people who've done this, you know what it's like. And I think the thing that I would find the toughest is a lot of it sitting on the floors normally. Whereas if I had like a comfortable chair 
um, somewhere that I could just be comfortable, I think that I would happily not talk for 12 days. Hmm. I don't know if I could not not talk for 12 days. I think I might have to sneak some talk in contraband, just sneak off in the middle of the night and just talk to myself in the woods. I mean, it would be interesting to know. He's talking to yourself cheating, I guess it probably is. Yes. It? Yeah, yeah. Because it's all about putting the focus inward, right? Yeah, but you could still talk. You can talk to yourself in your head still, though, can't you? Um, I don't know. I'm sorry, I've just noticed that Podcast Mike has dropped off this call. <laughs> Are we in a bit of a Jared Leto situation in which like, the world is collapsing around us? I mean, it does feel like that. Um, he uh, He's having computer issues. He's rebooting his computer. He sent me a little okay, message right. on uh, Okay, we can add him back in later. Yeah. Uh, okay, 12 months ago, I began a silent meditation in the desert. 12, See, the, I, 12 the idea days of ago. this... 12, 12, 12 days ago, sorry. Um, I, I, there is something about this that appeals to me. The idea of going to the yeah. desert doing a silent meditation, you know, looking inward, deciding whether you're the lead singer of 30 Seconds to Mars or whether you're, you know, Academy an Award Oscar, Academy Award winning actor or maybe you're, you're the Joker who didn't win an Academy Award. That's probably what he's really dealing with, isn't it? 12 days yeah, away yeah. from hearing about fucking Joaquin Phoenix. So he, he's gone to, you know, let that go or leet that go, depending on the pronunciation. Um, and all right, here we go. 12 days ago. I began a silent meditation in the desert. We were totally isolated. No phone, no communication, etc. I mean, yeah, we I guess we know what isolated means. Didn't really need to Anyway, whatever. He's 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 over explained that. We had no idea what was happening outside the facility. Mm, he was in a facility. Mm. Mm. Is this a silent meditation or a some sort of DMT retreat or something. I think it's it's probably more of one of those kind of Illuminati type groups. Don't you reckon? Some type. weird cult. Illuminati type because I don't think Jared Leto is getting into the Illuminati somehow. Um, you don't think so? I don't know. I don't, how, He'd how be, he, he's, an, he's, he's an elite. Don't, don't you think? Quality? He's rich. He's famous. He's like sold millions of albums. He's, you know, like doesn't he? If he's not an elite, then who is? I just think that he wouldn't qualify. Like it depends. I guess it depends. Even he, even the Illuminati think he's annoying. I just it's think a- that you would. There's got to be a cutoff for the Illuminati, right? Like from yeah. the, how many people do you think the Illuminati would take from the Rock? And acting world. Oh, I thought you meant The Rock. Well, The Rock's definitely in the Illuminati. Yeah, well, right? The Rock it, would be in. Yeah, The Rock's in. Um, I don't know. I would say if you looked at the sort the ten biggest bands in the world, yeah, I would say the Illuminati would have at least, uh, I'd say five people from the ten biggest bands in the world. So maybe every second band in the top ten, yeah. they would have one person. No, so no, Jer- not more than one from the same band, unless it's like the Beatles. So Jared Leto does not get in then like he's not in the best 10 bands in the world no way and he's not in the best no. 10 actors in the world how many people are in the illuminati would you say from the music from music and acting uh, how many people in the illuminati in general do you think what well, is the illuminati is, like under a thousand under a under 500 i mean it's not much of an exclusive club if it's you know any more than a thousand i would have thought it's hard to have an organization that runs the world if it's like more than a thousand people i would have thought Hey, Mike, while we're talking, can you just look up how many people are in the Illuminati? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know they're a secret society, but maybe we can get a number on it. I'd say if there's a thousand people in the Illuminati, 
considering that they have to transverse like multiple industries and 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 uh, corridors of influence that it would be a very low number from entertainment i would say out of a thousand i'd say 50 50 yeah. from the world of music okay. and that would include producers like quincy jones and stuff like well, that. well here we go i've got um, a little article here from vox by phil edwards uh 2016 so not not too bad um so it's all about the illuminati right here we go um uh, what is the illuminati in a historical sense the term illuminati refers to the bavarian illuminati a secret society that operated for only a decade okay blah 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 okay yep um uh what did the illuminati believe uh, you know, that, that, okay, did the Illuminati manage to control the world? Okay, so that's, all right, that's all historical Illuminati mm-hmm. stuff. Um, now we need, like, modern uh, Illuminati. So, um, all right, okay. Are Jay-Z, Kanye West and other celebrities in the Illuminati? This is more what we want. We contacted... Yeah. We contacted Kanye West and JG's, Jay-Z's spokesman, but they did not return our request for a comment. Well, Podcast Mike has found a few references. So apparently this list of people are in the Illuminati. Mm. Katy Perry, Beyonce, Jay-Z, Madonna, Kim Kardashian, Lady Gaga. So of that list, Katy Perry is probably the only one to me. Like, as we uh, discovered in our bonus bushfire episodes, if Rihanna Rihanna is not in there. Why is Katy Perry? I mean, Katy Perry is in one of the top female artists of the last 20 years, but Rihanna should be there, surely. Yeah, but that's a pretty good list. And I would say Jared Leto, Leto um, does not make that list. Really? Well, based on the list that you've just said, he's never had, like, I don't think they've ever had, like, a, probably a number one song, or they might have had a number one song. But you've got to look at his entirety of his career. He's an Oscar-winning actor who's had a ba- Even if his band isn't as big as any of those artists we just mm. mentioned, they're still big enough that, you know, they were doing sold-out tours worldwide and getting radio play. So that, when you take that and you add it to his acting, that puts him into Illuminati consideration doesn't it? i just don't think it does i think maybe like at best b to c league illuminati he might be like so an you're illuminati an Ill- spare at at best right so you're the illuminati recruiter right yeah and so what you're saying to me is you're in recruiting you're looking at every industry and saying well we don't need a jack of all trades who's fucking 80 percent across the board yeah we need 100 percent in specific categories it's like it's like the justice league you know it's like well, you know, uh, Superman can run as fast as the Flash, but we need the dude who is known for being super fast. So the Flash is in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a bit more like when you're picking a cricket team and they'll often be like, you need an all-rounder. <laughs> well, sometimes you don't need an all-rounder. If you've got a good batsman and you've got a really good bowler, you don't need some guy who can do both of those things okay. It's fine. And I think that if we're in, if you're in the Illuminati and you've already got like Jay-Z and Katy Perry and you don't need, you don't need old 30 seconds to Mars getting in the way of people. Well, Mark's just updated the list. Apparently, Rihanna is in the Illuminati. Oh, so that, okay, that makes sense. Yep. Oh, well, and I imagine cool. Drake must be in there somewhere as well. Like, Canada's got to have at least a couple... So, from Canada, it'd be Drake and, what, Jim Carrey? <laughs> Michael J. Fox? Michael J. Fox. Um, uh, what, what about Brian Adams? Would Brian, Brian Adams... <laughs> <laughs> I think he would be, but his problem 
is that he's now like this well-regarded photographer. Like Brian Adams does like shoots for Vanity Fair and he's had exhibitions and stuff. I think he might have the Jared Leto problem where they're like, well, look, we've already got Annie Leibovitz. We're not going to get, you know, an all-rounder rock star slash photographer. You'd focus on one or the other and come back and see us in a year, Brian Adams, and maybe we'll let you into the Illuminati. (laughs) See, but here's what I would say is, even the Illuminati would just love a bit of a sing-along to Summer of 69. Yeah. You know, there's no 30 seconds <laughs> to Mars songs that are up there with Summer of 69. And I'm, you can't yeah. tell me that Gaga and Madonna and Jay-Z, when they're sitting around a piano late at night in an Illuminati meeting, don't want to belt out a little Summer of 69. I reckon the Illuminati say to Brian Adams, look, you're, on, you're under consideration. There's a few people who are like, we don't need another all-rounder. But if you play our Christmas party this year, <laughs> we'll give you like 15 minutes, yeah. play all your hits, Finish with Summer of 69, and if you do a good job, then you're in. Oh, he's got like an Illuminati guest pass. Like, you know, yeah. if you're in the Illuminati once a year, like you the, can you like kind of you like, know, bring someone else to a Illuminati event. Like the Magic Kingdom in LA? Oh, yeah, exactly. You need the Magic Castle. You need somebody on the inside yeah. to be able to invite you to there. Or like, I remember when I was a kid, I got invited to like Cub Scouts. You know, they had like a... Mm bring a mate to Cub Scouts and the idea was like you know that you would love Cub Scouts so much that you would also join Cub Scouts I I went to one of those and I was like what is this weird Illuminati no thank you I'm not getting involved in this nonsense but but I think there's a there's probably like a bring a mate bring a plate sort of deal with the Illuminati well we're going to take a little break from the show to talk about this week's sponsor ExpressVPN now we all know that ExpressVPN protects your privacy and your security online right But here's something you might not know, Will. Okay. And the audience. I'm pretty sure that I won't know it. I'm pretty sure, though, that I, like many members of the audience, won't know it. What is it? Did you know that you can use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries? I did not know that. Well, considering... Actually, I kind of did know that. I had the gist of what a VPN was. All right. But I didn't know specifically that that's what you could do with it. Let's take a little pause in the ad to ask you a question. What does VPN stand for? Visible Panty 9. <laughs> I don't think it does. I don't know what it stands for. We'll make it a competition at the end of the ad. If you know what VPN stands for, let well, us know. Well, it, it obviously stands for a Variable very personal network. network. <laughs> I don't know. Podcast mic, virtual <laughs> private network. Yeah, that's we knew that. We knew that. Well, listen, Will, yeah. the important thing is everyone's stuck at home right now. So it's only a matter of time until they're going to run out of stuff to watch on Netflix or whatever their fam- favorite streaming service is. Mm. This whole week. In their own country. In this own country. I actually used ExpressVPN yeah. uh, only last weekend to stream a movie that I couldn't get in Australia. It was Jay and Silent Bob's reboot. <laughs> Oh, is that not available in Australia yet? Not yet. It's it's in cinemas right now, but no one's going to the cinema. So mm. I went online with my ExpressVPN and, I, and I, I was able to stream it from the States. If it ends up being the last film I ever watch, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> it has nothing to do with ExpressVPN. But Jay and Silent uh, Bob well, Reboot, was... a history of classic cinema I could have accessed, and I went to Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. We get a lot of, um, I get a lot of inquiries about my television show, Gruen, mm. in, in Australia, because 
it's geo-blocked, which means that you can only watch it in Australia. So for overseas listeners to TOEFOP, and we know we have a lot of overseas listeners who are always asking, how can I watch Gruen and I live overseas? The mm. best way, of course, is to get an Express VPN, and then you would be able to access that from overseas. That's exactly how it works. Um, it hides your IP address. It lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. For instance, Will, do you love anime? Yes, I love anime. Well, please don't ask me what anime is. <laughs> you can use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix uh, and be spirited away. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. By the way, is sp spirit, Spirited Away is a play. I get that. Yeah. I got that joke. Oh, good. Because Spirited Away is a famous anime movie, right? Is yeah. it an anime movie? Yes. It's certainly a, it's, a cartoon well, it's not, movie. Where you get confused is manga and anime. Mm -hmm. I believe that manga is... I don't because I don't really know what either of them are. <laughs> I think manga is the one that's disturbing. And uh, anime is the right. cute one with like, you know, kittens with faces and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> uh, there's hundreds of VPNs out there. <laughs> but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is it's ridiculously fast. And that is true. It didn't, it, I watched uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot very quickly. It downloaded in a second. It was there to watch real easy. And I was able to transfer it over a number of devices. There's never any buffering or lag. And you can stream HD, no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phone, media console, smart TVs and more. So you can watch what you want on your personal device or on the big screen wherever you are. Another show that we've talked about that I'm always going on about that hardly anyone's seen because it's on HBO and in Australia you have to watch HBO through Foxtel and a lot of people don't want to support that network for obvious reasons, but you can go using your ExpressVPN and watch Succession, one of the best shows on TV and I want lots more people to watch it because there are so many in-jokes in that that I need to share with people, but not enough know, people know the in-jokes. So please get ExpressVPN, Access the, the HBO from the US and join me in making jokes about all the characters on Succession. Will, here's a call to action. If you visit my special link or our special link, it says my in the mm. copy, but let's say it's ours. Mm. That shows 50-50. It's under your special link. <laughs> if you visit Charlie's special link. If you visit our special link right now at expressvpn.com slash tofop, that's expressvpn.com slash tofop, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash TOEFOP. They don't have a, a like a, a tagline. Should we come up with one for ExpressVPN? Yeah. Express yourself. We'll probably have to clear that with Madonna. Madonna, I suppose. <laughs> Do you reckon <clears throat> if the Illuminati listened to this show and they approached us they said look we don't normally do this normally we just take one person from an organization but you two are in the illuminati we're going to make you you're our we're spearheading we've opened a new department of podcasting in the illuminati we considered joe rogan but we thought that was too obvious yeah who would no if you had to do 10 okay top 10 illuminati podcasters go well it has to be i mean rogan just seems to fit the bill because he's into conspiracies and DMT, yes. right? He's all yes. about secret societies and shit. But is that too on the nose? Would the Illuminati look at that and go, oh, he's hiding in plain sight because he always talks about it. No one's going to suspect him. If Kardashian can be in the Illuminati, Joe Rogan can be in the, the Illuminati, okay. I would have thought. So, if, uh, well, say we're Illuminati recruiters. 
So we're at Illuminati yeah. head office and we're going, we need to get yeah. some Illuminati in the podcasting game. This is what people are doing these days. Who are we targeting, I guess, is, you know, you've, we've got our board there. We're going, we, we reckon yeah. we can get Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's already up yeah. for this sort of thing. We can definitely probably lock in Joe Rogan. So that's your one. Well, he's... Here's my question. Are we going for influence or are we going for like coverage in terms of we want a nice uh, spread of uh, podcasters that cover all different topics so we have our tentacles everywhere? I think a bit of both. Yeah, I think we want like reach and influence. Yes. Okay. All right. Not just pure downloads. It has to be about people who have the... I mean, Rogan being in the Illuminati is perfect because Rogan already has you know, millions of people who kind of subscribe to Joe Rogan's philosophies about life. So they are like a susceptible yeah. target audience. If they're going to get into UFC because of him or, you know, eating, you know, elk mm. or doing DMT, then it'll be pretty easy to kind of introduce some ideas around the Illuminati and what they want. So good susceptible, you know, manipulated audience. Yeah. And I think, oh, okay, well, I think if you are looking for influence, then something like My Favourite Murder would be good because... Yeah. That is a podcast that's incredibly popular that sort of doesn't trivialize, but it turns kind of murder into entertainment. So if the Illuminati at any stage are like, well, we need to start putting some subliminal messages out there to take out some, you know, world leaders or whatever. then You know what? My favorite murder is (laughs) this one that's about to happen. (laughs) Wink. Yeah. So I reckon they would be on the list. And then what other kind of podcast, what other fields of podcasts we need to get into? It's like, uh, that's true crime. So do we need a, like a comedy podcast? Do we need like a news podcast? Well, you know what? I think, could, could, could there be a chance they would hit up the dollop? Because hmm. Dave Anthony, I mean, do you want Dave, if you're the Illuminati, do you want Dave in the organization? Or outside the organisation. This is the problem. Yeah, I don't know. Because Dave, I just, I feel like Dave would be a liability just in terms of if he gets angry enough about some power structure within the Illuminati, he's not going to keep quiet about it, is he? Like if he sees some fuckery going on in the Illuminati, he's just going to jump on Twitter and just give it to him with both barrels. This is a good point actually, isn't it? When you're the Illuminati, you've got to be conscious about recruiting people who won't at some stage turn against the Illuminati. But I also think that there is strategically, there is something smart about having someone who no one, who everyone would think, oh, there's no way Dave Anthony would be in the Illuminati because yeah. of blah, 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 blah. If you can get him on board, then you can get anyone on board. And I think it's perfect cover. Right. So your strategy would be like, you have to give Dave something that is going to make him play ball. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you have another layer of manipulation happening over Dave where Dave is in the Illuminati but doesn't know he's in the Illuminati. Maybe you recruit Gareth. Ah, yes. Okay. Do you understand what so I mean? You have a, yeah, I do. Yeah. So Dave doesn't actually realize that he's working for the Illuminati. Yeah. Like he's just telling these stories from American history and he thinks he knows what he's doing. But Gareth in his riffing off the stories is subtly putting – Illuminati messages out to the universe. Yeah, like it would be a Truman Show type situation because I believe like that Dave gets suggestions and stuff. People like will contact him with information. So if Gareth was his, the inside man and somehow was feeding these kind of topics that are actually Illuminati topics that are getting people thinking about Illuminati subjects, mm. 
But the thing, you've got to be careful with Dave because he's incredibly intelligent and he it takes a lot of pride in his work and he does diligent research. So you'd need a watertight kind of approach. It couldn't, there could be nothing about it that raises any red flags for him. Yeah, no, Dave, Dave certainly would be, I think he'd be a, a prize win if you could get him. Like he'd be somebody's white whale. He'd be an Illuminati recruiter's white whale. You know, all the other clubs... All the other secret societies would have rejected Dave because he's just too much of a wild card. Yeah, and there'd yeah. be one Illuminati recruiter who's like, oh, no, I reckon I reckon if we can get him into the right system, yeah. you know, we can work him through the Illuminati, we can get the right role models, he's going to be a great asset for us. That's Jerry, it's Jerry Maguire. It's, you've got yeah. to take on that one client who's a bit of a loose cannon, yeah. but you know the rewards will be huge if you can get him on side. Yeah, so we're, what we're pitching here is an Illuminati recruiter on his last... Last chance. He's yeah. fed up with the way that these celebrities are being recruited to the Illuminati. Who's with it's me? like <laughs> he writes a little manifesto to all the other Illuminati recruiters. Illuminati Maguire. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh I think that makes sense. I reckon the Weekly Planet would be a good get for the Illuminati. Oh. Yes. Because they can sell their messages in really uh, watchable 10-minute mm. big red arrow videos. <laughs> like, Yeah, I think that's actually good, though, because, like, you could easily be slotting in Illuminati messages into a, you know, a movie, TV, comic book sort of world. Mm. I think it would be very easy to transition from you like, so you like Marvel movies into, so here's a... You know, here's another thing you might like. Assassinate this leader. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see like James putting together one of those big red arrow videos, which is like a a step by step instruction guide on how to uh, on, on how to how to take out a, a world leader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ten things you might have missed in this latest video. <laughs> Ten Illuminati signs you might have missed in this latest movie. Um, all right, let's uh, get to... Oh, hang some, on. Oh, yeah. right, just, uh, uh, we should finish um, oh, right. Jared's, uh, Jared's oh, little Instagram message. Uh, 12 days ago, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. Walked out yesterday into a very different world. One that's been changed forever. Mm. Mind-blowing, to say the least. I'm getting messages from friends and family all over the globe and catching up on what's going on. Hope you and yours are okay. Sending positive energy to all. Stay inside. Stay safe. Mm. Well, there you go. See, that's a nice little message from Jared. Do you think there has been a little bit of tone deafness, though, from celebrities throughout this whole thing? Like, there's obviously the Imagine video, which I cannot bring myself to watch. I don't need to watch it. I just know what it is. I don't know. I, without having watched it, I, I, I know what it is. And I know that it would make me cringe. Have you not watched any of it? I, well, You no. haven't even seen the opening snippet. Oh, no, I've seen the opening snippet and that set the scene. I think I've gotten as far as it goes from Gal Gadot to uh, Kristen Wiig. And that's as far as yeah. I've got. I don't need to say any more. I get it. It's horrible. He, here's, here's what I would say. Is I think that if I were... Like, if you'd asked me one week ago, who are the two women in Hollywood that you would, at the moment, yeah, most like to date, they would probably be Gal Gadot and Kristen Wiig. I think they are both incredibly attractive women, and now I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad that video is. What's it made me... Kristen Wiig 
doing like and I heard that Will Ferrell's in it as no. well, right? I mean, these are people who have made their names like mocking stuff like this and sending up this kind of behavior, but they're active participants, right? I think it's one of those things where clearly um you know, you you might ask you to do something in these circumstances and you're like just film this thing on the phone, we're going to try to like put it out. It's one of those moments where I imagine it's hard to say no because it's a mate of yours asking you to do it and it's meant to be cause. for a good cause. So you think, oh, well, you know, what's what's the harm, mm. right? But somebody, somebody along that chain when they were putting it together should have just gone, do you think this is, do you think a whole bunch of celebrities singing Imagine on their phones is really what the world needs right now? Particularly when everybody's losing their jobs yeah. and everybody's worried about whether they're going to be eat and you know have somewhere to mm. live. Like a whole bunch of rich people singing them yeah. Imagine. With just, the lyrics, Imagine No Possessions. Well, in about two months, yeah. my whole house is going to get repossessed. So. Can, I, can I send you a little message then, Gal? It's <laughs> so tone deaf. It was one of those things where I was yeah. like, is there not one person in this procession of people who just went, hey, guys, is this really what we should... We? But although, is there... Because uh, I, I saw the other day that somebody was like, celebrities have never seemed more irrelevant. And I think that that is probably true. Like suddenly <laughs> when the world is in a real crisis, the idea of celebrity you know, become is revealed for the nonsense that it actually is. But... Is there something to be said for the fact that it gave everybody something to mock together? Like, in mock. some ways, they did bring the world together in hatred yeah. and condemnation for them being completely out of touch. <laughs> I mean, there, I've seen other people on Twitter and stuff talking about, hey, guys, like, you know, quarantine isn't so bad. I'm going to spend yeah. my days, like, meditating and t learning the guitar and blah, 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 blah. And it's like... So your house is paid off. You don't have to pay rent. Like, why, who the fuck do you think you were talking to? The one exception I'll give you out of all of these celebrities, Will, mm. is Arnie. His posts from his mansion where his donkey and his pony are eating carrots off his plate. And then there's another one where he's in his jacuzzi smoking a cigar with a tiny little dog yapping around his head where he's like, you know, don't go out. Don't go to the cafe. Stay inside. I'm like... All right, I'm totally down for Arnie. You get a pass. <laughs> you were in the Illuminati. Well, yeah, the Illuminati. Um, I, I think he is doing a great job. He's, you know, he's a Republican, but you know, he was a decent, you know, kind of. He, he's one of the old school Republicans, you know, in regard to like you know, because socially he's quite progressive, right? You know, he was economically conservative but socially progressive, and people can have bigger arguments about, you know the nature of that but he's been Dave trying Anthony to, right now is typing you an email <laughs> uh, I understand I understand all the arguments don't need to hear them again it's fine guys but um, he has been using his voice to try yeah. to not just go here's me self-isolating but to put out messages that are important for people to hear and as someone who's had an interest in you know public service in being a politician like I think it's been incredible but the fact that we've been mm. introduced, like even the fact that he knew when he was trying to talk to the kids who were partying on the beach, the idea of going, if I'm there in a suit and tie and I'm like doing this sort of message in that sort of stern lecturing parent way, it's not going to get through to those kids. But if I'm in a jacuzzi smoking a cigar and looking like I'm a guy who likes to party as well, you've got more chance of, I think, connecting that message with your audience. I actually was like, this is really clever communicating. But the fact that he has... A donkey and a, 
a pony. A pony that what, just live in his house? That's the bit that I was Seems not aware to. of until this point. What is going on? I don't know. Like, is that what? Is that who he lives with now? Like, since the babysitter well, incident, is, like, is it the house cleaner? He's just like, the only things I feel safe to be around in the house are a donkey and a pony. What I love about his posts is he always signs off with just a random line from one of his popular films, like that jacuzzi missive, he finishes with, put the cookie down, which I believe is from like Kindergarten Cop. And it's like, that's amazing. Like, cause you know, some celebrities, I've been watching a lot of those GQ, uh, you know, actors reflect on their career. I just love them. I reckon they're so great. Um, but the Harrison Ford one is why, why did you even bother contacting him? Like everyone knows that Harrison Ford, hates talking to journalists, hates talking about his career. And he just sits there, you know, and he, he actually, there's one line that's very telling where he talks about doing, you know, he talks about Star Wars and Indiana Jones and he talks about doing like, you know, a film with Alan Pacula or, you know, one of these smaller films. And he says in his grumbly way that, you know, sometimes the films that are the most popular don't, aren't necessarily the best ones. And, you know, I prefer to do films that actually to mean something. And it's like, okay, we get it. But there is something so beautiful about seeing an actor who is as big a fan of his films and these one-liners as we are. So to see him sign off with like a Terminator line or a kindergarten cop line, it's like, this is great. Like, you seem to be enjoying your celebrity. Yeah. I mean, what a life he has led. Like, I mean, you know, there's been a few blips along the way, but what a big, bold, incredible life from that you know, bodybuilder, well, he, you know, through to he, what he has become. He was the pre-rock rock. He was the guy who broke down the barriers, like from one sport to entertainment and used his physicality and his size to literally build himself into the biggest star in the world. And isn't there a moment where they actually do that in one of the Rock's films? Isn't there like a scene in one of the Rock's earliest films where Arnie's, is it Arnie who's in the scene and they have an interaction with each other and he's like, you know, good luck, it's yours now or oh. like some sort of thing that actually nods Did he to do that? like a Conan type film? Was it Scorpion King or something like that? That would make sense. It does sound familiar. Yeah, but I don't think it was and um, I don't think it was that movie. He did do the Scorpion King, but um, uh, what were they the, in uh, in movie? Uh let me see if I can find it. Uh, the Rundown. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the movie The Rundown? It's a good film. I really like The Rundown. Um, yeah. I don't remember Arnie in that, but that makes sense. Handing over the baton, the torch. Yeah, exactly. It was a cameo and he handed over the baton. That's exactly what it was. And he was right. He, he was absolutely right. did. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to some mail before we finish up. Yeah. Uh, if you want to send us an email, uh, you can do that at emailtofop at gmail.com. This is from Catherine. She says, hey, Tofop. Hey, guys, I fell asleep listening to your podcast and woke up a couple hours later to hear you talking about an old lady farting in the hospital. I believe that was your story, Will. Yes. I can confirm the theory that they don't care. My nan, after the age of 70, didn't care and would let them rip like they just didn't happen was most disturbing when she was cooking in the kitchen, but we all just acted like it didn't happen. And she darted in peace. I assume she meant to write farted, but I also think it'd be cool if grandma was smoking in the kitchen and just letting him rip at the same time. Yeah, sucking the air in and letting it out. In fact, puffs of smoke out the other end. That's how she smoked towards the end. She would inhale the smoke and then fart it out in puffs of smoke. Matt says, uh, subject, Clawson for Dundee. 
Okay. Hey, guys. I was listening to your, at the time of writing this latest podcast, where you were talking about who'd cast in Dundee or Dundee's son in a sequel reboot. I unironically think you, Charlie Clawson, would be the perfect cast for a modern Dundee or Dundee's son. Oh, yeah. You are, you're objectively handsome, but you also have a red leathery face like you've been living in the outback for too long. Mm. All right. well, <laughs> would you describe my uh, face as red and leathery? Leathery, I can sort of see. I do have a lot of wrinkles, but I don't know. It's red. I mean, here's what I would say. I would not ordinarily describe your face as being red. But just weirdly enough, today, you're wearing like an orange cap or whatever. And the way that the light on this <laughs> Skype call is reflecting on your face, it does kind of look a little bit red and orange. He continues, you've got a similar shaped head to Paul Hogan. <laughs> I mean, this is a real... And doing a quick Google search, you're about the same height as him. And you seem pretty fit, or as far as I can tell. Even if you're not, you could probably get ripped for the film if you had to. You're old enough to be experienced and hardened, but a decade younger than Hugh Jackman, who Will has established is too old for this role. Obviously, the movie wouldn't happen until Paul Hogan dies and the studio would got, would probably go to a Hemsworth for the role. I haven't actually watched any of the shows you've been in. They're all Australian and I'm a Kiwi. So I have no idea if you're actually any good at acting. <laughs> Well, Paul, to be fair, Paul Hogan wasn't that good at it either. No. He was good at comedy, though. And odds on a Dundee reboot sequel will probably be shithouse, irregardless of who is cast in it. But just in my mind, the perfect Dundee reboot would be Charlie Clawson as leading man with a Will Anderson, Mr. Sunday Movies and Nick Mason all making cameos as goons who he beats the shit out of. <laughs> Love the pod. Keep it up. Um, did you see the trailer for the new, the very excellent Mr. Dundee? Yeah, it's, a, it's just so many lies even just in the name of the movie, isn't it? Um, it does not look great. It's got an amazing cast. It's one of those movies, so the plot line of it is that they're trying to get him essentially for a, a, a Crocodile Dundee, yeah. Dundee movie, Yeah, right? Yeah, it's like a, uh, like a post-modern take on... Yeah. yeah, so it looks like... Okay, Paul Hogan's reluctantly thrust back into the spotlight as he desperately attempts to restore his sullied reputation on the eve of being knighted, is the IMDb Mm. uh, explanation of what the movie is. Um, There are, it's got a Hemsworth in it, Luke Hemsworth, but still, (laughs) it's got a Hemsworth in it. Paul Hogan is in this movie. Uh, Then Chevy Chase, John Cleese, um, who else is in it? Luke Bracey. Olivia Newton-John, Rachel Carpani, um, Jim Jeffries is in the I movie. I think that's a cameo. Well, I think a lot of these might be cameos. Yeah. In fact, I think it's one of those movies where you're going to find a whole bunch of these people are playing themselves, I'd imagine. Well, having said that, I, I was telling you while we're doing the ad read that I watched uh, Giant Silent Bob reboot, which I must admit the first hour I really quite enjoyed. And that is the structure of that film is let's have this loose plot where I can invite all my famous friends to come in and just do a scene. And for the most part, it kind of works. And I was actually, because I watched the trailer with you, I think, and we were both like, Ugh. it was weird seeing all those people suddenly 20 years older and still doing the same shtick. But it actually, it actually works. And the, the cameos, I mean, I won't spoil all of them, but, you know, he gets like, you know, Matt Damon back and, and Ben Affleck, which I think are in the trailer. And they're actually really quite good. Where the film falls down is when they go to the plot. <laughs> At any stage, when it right. when it goes to Jay and Silent Bob, I'm like, yeah, this is the least interesting part of the entire story. But all that stuff, like it, he did manage to recapture that kind of late 90s feeling of the View Askew universe. 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, this Dundee movie, again, I think it, it was one of those things where you're like, I could see the potential in this. It feels like I can understand why this seemed like it could be a good movie. Mm. There was just nothing in the trailer that made me think that it might be a good movie. It didn't. For comedy, there was not one laugh in the trailer. No. Yeah. No. And it just, the vibe of the whole thing, you were like, oh, I feel like this is going to be a whole bunch of people who are really funny in a movie that is not very funny. Yeah. This is from Mike. I hope I'm wrong. Well, he says, uh, Topop is a film. Continuing the film theme. Hey, mates. If Between Two Ferns can have a movie, so can Tofop. Please discuss the plot of a Tofop film. Let's assume Russell Crowe agrees to three hours involvement if it's near to his home. Cool things for cool people. Mike. And then he followed up with his own... He got impatient waiting for us to talk about it. And so he followed up with his own plot. Okay, good. Because <laughs> it means we don't have to think of one. Well, I was going to say, we, we just did the Between Two Ferns movie plot. A road movie for us trying to get to Russell Crowe. Yeah. For this you know, episode of... That, that's what it would be. With celebrity cameos. It'd be us trying, trying to get to Russell Crowe and then along the way, you know, we'd just be on a road movie and then the final reveal would be either Russell Crowe or not Russell Crowe, depending on whether we could get him for the movie. Or it's a guy whose name is Russell Crowe, but it's not actually Russell Crowe. It's spelt differently. He's got one L in his Russell and no E on the end of Crowe. Or we just go and meet a, yeah, a, a, a whole bunch of people called Russell Crowe on a road movie, but never get to the actual Russell Crowe. Well, how about... We have a bunch of celebrity cameos, but none of them are actually the celebrities they share a name with. They're just people who have that celebrity's name. And in the trailer, we can say like, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch. Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> Russell Crowe, yeah. Sam Neill. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. Just for the trailer. We should just shoot a mock right. trailer for a Tofop film where we get a bunch of people who have the names of celebrities. So just so we can throw the names up in the trailer. That is actually not bad. All right. This is Mike's pitch for a Tofop film. Tofop movie follow-up. Dear mates again, after writing to you about a Tofop film, I couldn't help but think of a plot of my own. Instead of going to sleep, uh, here it is. Tofop, the movie. Charlie and Will decide to end Tofop, being devastated after failing to record the audio at a huge 1,000th show gala. Okay. Checks out so <laughs> they move on. <laughs> they move on with their lives. Charlie's playing a blind street cop who solves racism on a terrible TV show. Yeah, oh. makes sense. Will becomes a spokesman for the THC-infused cheese. Eh, checks out. Suddenly, Will and Charlie are abducted by an alien. They awaken a sort of zoo on a giant spaceship. It's filled with thousands of elements from Tofop, including a disheveled Russell Crowe, who has put on a bat suit he, uh, he found and has gone quite mad. It turns out the alien is a huge fan of Tofop and wants it to continue. He's abducted Will and Charlie to preserve them, as its brethren are about to take over Earth via an army of robots, which are being surreptitiously sold to the world as robotic chefs by an alien imposter, played by John Deeks. Okay, love it. It's up to Will and Charlie to use elements from their Tofop world to escape and save the Earth. Hope you like it. I know Will hates space, but I guess that would be his character's motivation to save Earth. Mm. It's pretty good. Exactly. I don't mind that. It's speech. very good. And I also am very interested in this uh, TV show where a blind cop solves weight racism, to be honest. <laughs> blind street cop. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even know there was a street cop. All right. Last one. This is from Adam. I Hi mean, guys. that is actually uh, a good show, though. I reckon you could sell, not the toe fault one, the blind street cop right. who solves racism, I think. Would be a really good, you know. What would it be? What would it be called? Oh, you call it colorblind. Mm. Oh, perfect. I was going to go with blind justice, but yeah, colorblind is even better. 
<laughs> All right, Adam writes in. Uh, the subject is Charlie and Bob Murphy. Hi, guys. Mm. Just a leisurely, uh, just a leisurely relaxing at the Virgin Lounge at Melbourne Airport this evening, and who do I see wander past but Charlie and his young family? I wanted to say hi and thank him for years of pods I'd listened to, but I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to intrude on a stressful trip with a little one. I thought I'd wait till I catch him ordering a beer. Alas, my chance never came. I heard a call for Sydney, uh, my Sydney flight, and well, I missed my chance. Uh, well, you know, that makes sense. I have been doing a lot of traveling this year. Um, probably didn't order a bar because, uh, to see me order a beer because I uh, haven't been drinking beer for about six weeks because I put on way too much weight over Christmas. Um, he continues, who do I see next but Bob Murphy strolling past trying to find a seat? I don't know. Uh, if I don't see Will next, I'm going to be quite disappointed. I cried when you guys first unshut Tofop as Charlie bent a knee to his Channel 7 overlords and was ever grateful when you guys made your comeback. No question. Just wanted to drop a line and say thanks for the years of entertainment and I wish I had said hello to you and thanked you in person. Well, Adam, uh, I appreciate you thanking us now via email and you know feel free to approach i don't mind when people come up and talk about the podcast it's one of the things i'm one of the few things i'm proud of in my life will tofop i mean right now uh you know obviously keep about a meter and a half, meter and away, a half social away. distancing yeah email's the best but, way um, you know as a general principle once we get through this please approach and tell us you like the podcast and uh if you do like the podcast and want us to continue throughout this uh, uncertain period of time um i know people are sort of struggling with cash at the moment but if you do have anything to spare uh, we have people who work for this show as well and um, we'd like to sort of keep the lights on. So you can go to patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. We just uploaded a new bonus episode, which is uh, where we take letters from our Patreon listeners. Excited to announce, Will, I just sent up a whole bunch. We officially have one sticker sheet left to give away. Number 50 of 50, ready to go in the mail. So when we reconvene in a week's time to do the Patreon letters, that will be the last one that goes out until we find some new prizes. And I've got to say, um, I've got a, a couple of potential things that we could put into the new prize bag because okay. I'm currently packing up my house. And uh, so it means that I've discovered a whole bunch of... Uh, you know, things that are in the drawer. So firstly, there is a whole bunch of TOEFOP badges oh, yeah. that were made for me by a fan of the podcast in the US years ago uh, that are still sitting around in a bag. So um, if anybody wants a tea bagger badge, there's some cool ones of those that we could perhaps uh, send out to people. And also James Fosdyke years ago gave me some, you know, like with a, a comic book, you occasionally might buy, you know, a, one a cell a cell from it or like an original draft of what it was mm. so there is probably 40 or 50 like of james's drawings hand oh drawings of things that became tofop art and so we have those and so i think they might be a cool thing to send out to people that people might like just an original sort of here's a yeah. you know how here's how james was drawing junior for this scene That's or awesome. here's how he was yeah, the original drafts of us so i've put those aside as well as yeah. something that we might um That's send really out good. to people i feel like it's too good to send out <laughs> but no that's a great price well i think there'd be a couple that you might want to keep yourself yeah, you yeah. know there's a there's a couple of cool junior ones that i thought you might actually like as a, a little thing for yourself but there's a whole bunch of you know james draft drawings that i thought might be really cool 
Um, so hit us up on the Facebook or whatever if you think that that would be a cool thing to send out as a prize because I think it might be. Um, and if you can't support us on the Patreon, completely understand. Another way you can support us is to go to our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got a bunch of videos yeah. up there. We've got our web series. We've got Q&A videos. We've got our, uh, we didn't talk about this, but our comic strip commentary where we uh, did a pilot episode for some video content that we may do more of, which is where we uh, uh, share our recollections of, uh, of Everyone Relax, um, which I think turned out pretty well. People seem to like it. Um, we are not in the same room. <laughs> we, who knows when we'll be back in the same room and able to be more than within two metres of each other. Um, but if you do like that, leave a comment, leave a like. Uh, everything, uh, uh, every time we watch you watch a video, it helps us get closer and closer to being able to sponsor those shows and bring in an income that way. Yeah, so, yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, obviously, right now, every artist who has a Patreon or has something like this is you know, asking those who can still afford to support these things to support them. Um, we understand that not everybody is going to be able to find money to support, but there are g- genuinely other ways you can support the podcast. One is to pass it on to somebody who you think might like it. And another one is, yeah, to go to the YouTube and just watch these videos because if we get the numbers up enough, then, you know, through advertising and stuff, we can get some income coming in through that as well so if you don't have the money but you have some time you know during these times when you're self-quarantining or staying away from things go to the youtube channel you know spend Mm. some time and have a look at everything yeah oh and if you're the producer of the project get us on to talk about our show and maybe we'll go to number one of the charts like little dum-dum oh yeah i mean the little dum-dum club went on the project and went to number one on the charts which was uh, great check out that podcast by the way always an absolutely brilliant podcast the little dum-dum club um, and as you mentioned, Josh Earl's podcast that you're on, Don't You Know Who I Am? Your episode of that is absolutely fantastic. I did a couple of podcasts that have come out in this last week. Uh, one is called Funny in Failure, um, with, uh, which I, I think I spoke about on this podcast a few weeks ago, uh, the fact that I was going to be doing that. And then I also did one called Uncommon, which was also filmed. And they've been uh, I posted a few little clips from that that people have enjoyed but if you want to look up the uncommon show there's like an hour and a half of me being interviewed on that all pre-corona so you can see how much i touch my face um but yeah there's lots of different bits of content philosophy is still going up every week our afl podcast if you are a fan of afl or if you don't even if you're not a fan of afl you're just um somebody who likes listening to us talk nonsense about things our afl podcast two guys one cup is back up and running we put two episodes out last week and that's uh that's pretty much it uh hopefully we'll be back next week with more nothing for everyone i'm charlie clawson i'm bill anderson This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.